Hey guys, before we get started, I wanted to invite you to our private Facebook group. All you got to do is head over to Facebook and type in unconventional leaders in your search bar. We have a powerful community over there of people who are going against the grain and making an impact in this world in their own unique way. We would love to have you a part. Again, that is unconventional leaders over on Facebook. And if you want to work on your passion in the background, if truthfully your passion doesn't pay you right now, does that mean you stop singing? Does that mean you stop picking up the camera just because right now it's not your paycheck? I think that's that awareness of it can be a right now. It could be a hobby. It can be a side hustle. It can be whatever it is, but it doesn't have to be your everything. But you've got to give yourself that patience and time to not force it and feel like you have to give up on your dream because it doesn't pay your rent. I've always felt and I was born with several falls. I was told not to take risks. I may be blind, but I teach people how to see. And I'm proud to be an individual. This podcast is for you, the unconventional leader. Maybe you are the one that everyone discounted. Maybe you struggle with fear and self-doubt. We are here to empower the next generation of self-starters to step up. Use their voice and make an impact in this world. Did you know that following your dreams, there is a sacrifice, there's loneliness, there's an exchange and a lot of patience. Dude, I know I'm blowing your mind right now, right? You're like, no, duh, Heather. But listen, we don't talk about this. We don't talk about the exchange, the sacrifice, the real stuff that has to go into making progress on our dreams. If this is your first time listening, what's going on? My name is Heather Parody. I am your host. Today we had on the incredible Tiff Tyler, who is a video producer for entrepreneurs, small businesses, and brands with the goal of changing the world for better. She spent the past five years working for Lewis Howes' School of Greatness, producing hundreds of interviews from celebrities, crazy successful entrepreneurs, and getting to film and produce content that literally reached millions of people. Now, all that's cool, right? But the cool thing about Tiff is she keeps it super straight about the realities of leaving her family in Florida, traveling to California, and over the past several years, walking through very lonely times, dealing with the sacrifices of going all in to try to make something happen and the inevitable patience that has to come out of that. And guess what, y'all? Six years in, she's still walking through that and finding new and new levels within herself of not only greatness, but also to a higher demand on her for what that requires. This is such a real and honest conversation. I love Tiff. She's so cool. Connect with her over on Instagram at TiffTylerFilm or her website, TiffTyler.com. That is linked in the show notes. And y'all, listen, is there someone in your life who is a creative, has big ambition? Maybe they shared that with you. And maybe recently they have talked to you about just their discouragement in the process and how long things are actually taking and wondering if it's ever going to pop for them. If you will do me one favor, take a screenshot of this episode, share it with them. So thank you for helping us reach unconventional leaders. Are you ready? Let's go ahead and get into this. Patient, sacrifice, loneliness but also too, hitting some pretty cool goals with my friend, Tiff Tyler. I just want to thank you for being my first ever podcast interview two years ago or three years ago. We did a while ago. I just appreciate you for seeing the worthiness in me before anyone else did. So Mm -hmm. thank you for that. Truly, that really did make a difference and kind of sparked 
some new things once we did that interview. So I appreciate that. First time I ever saw you, it was at an event and you were running around working and someone in passing, they weren't even talking to me. I just overheard it. They said, Tiff is the hardest worker we know. And while they said that you were just running around working while everybody was chilling, drinking a coffee, I looked at you and I was like, I want to know that girl. Like, I want to know what's going on in her world. Not only do I love storytelling and the kind of the back end piece, but the drive to be doing the kind of work that you do when people are watching and people aren't watching. I was wondering, just starting us off, where does that drive within you come? I do appreciate that. I, I get dubbed that a lot when I'm working at yeah. when I'm working at Summit, working on podcasts, just like the hardest worker in the room, the hardest worker in the room. I think I know where it came from. It was more like my dad. He just was always just that hardworking person. And he took care of us. He, he and my mom have been married for 34 years, but his dedication and his commitment, I think that's where I pull that from. And to continue to do it, to continue to grow in it, I think I just come from a place of I just want everyone around me to feel really good. I want everyone around me to to not necessarily stress as much as I do. So if I can do a little bit more work and you can chill and you can have your coffee and you can relax, like that doesn't bug me at all. Like I know it might bug some other people. My goal is always to make other people happy. And sometimes that's been a good thing. Sometimes it's been not such a good thing. And I've learned yeah. and I'm still learning how to balance that. I just, I always want to do a really good job and I just want people around me to be happy. So if I'm working more and they're working a little less, that never seemed to, I don't know. That just never seemed to throw me off or, or make me feel like someone's taking advantage of me or anything. And two, I mean, you love storytelling. You love what you do. When did that enter into your life? I know you got a camera at a young age and started like filming your family and all that stuff. Like you had an artistic family, but when did you like be like, you know, this is, this is my lane and I want to stick with it. My first time getting paid for it was when I was like, oh, this can feed me. I played on the girls basketball team in high school, but there was someone else filming the, the team. And the coach hired me. It was my junior year. I was still on JV because I wasn't really that good. She hired me to film and cut the varsity team's highlight reels, what they were going to send in when they wanted to go to college. So that was my first time shooting, editing, and being paid for it. And I realized that I've got one year, really, maybe a year and a half before college. If this could actually pay me, then this would be what my major is. And this is what I'll stick to. So yes, I've had a camera at a very young age. I've always liked it. It's always been a very natural safety, like just loving it, my passion. But when I, the first time I got paid for it, I was like, oh, okay, like this could be the rest of my life if I wanted it to be. And you decided, I, I heard you say that your parents didn't put pressure on you to go to college, but you chose to go anyway and study that. How come? <sighs> So they technically didn't put pressure on me, but, and I love my older brother, Haywood, he hates this story. My extended family is very educated. My mom and my dad were both the youngest and I think they're rebels in that sense. So they were all, they were like, we don't, maybe they just, they just chose not to go to college. Right. Yeah. So, but everyone else in my extended family, my aunts and uncles, they all went to college. And so when my older brother didn't go, it's not like the family made pressured him, but I could see the reaction. People were very disappointed. I am a middle child. So I learn from him. Everything that I see that doesn't quite go well, I try to go the other direction. So I wouldn't say I had a necessarily like, I really want to go to college or this was like my huge passion. I think it was necessary for me socially because I was very quiet in high school and in 
I don't think most people even know what I sound like, what my voice sounded like at that point. And I think college was a good stepping stone for me to socialize and understand how to use my voice and speak to people. But it really was watching him sort of just what, how everyone reacted. And I was just like, I don't even want to have that conversation. I'll go. And I, I don't, I, I just, I want to avoid any kind of conflict or disappointment, but it's just disappointing feeling that I think that he kind of got a little bit because he is smart. My brother is book smart. He can do a huge math problem in his head. I always say he's the smart one. And my younger brother is the most creative one. I'm stuck in the middle and they, I don't know what, how I would define myself. That's really hard for me, but he, he being so head smart and my younger brother being so creative, I think I've always just been a combination of the two of them. Were they shocked when you kind of made the declaration that this is what you wanted to do with your life and you're actually going to move all the way across the country to pursue this? I don't know if anyone was shocked because I definitely wasn't shy about this ambition, <laughs> like moving to California, telling people about it. It wasn't a, I just came out of pocket and said, I'm going to leave. I think how it happened worked out really well, but I think everyone's really happy for me, but we are such a close, tight knit family, meeting so many people out here, most of their families, not that they're not supportive, but when they're creative and they're going after something that's not a quick financial pursuit. I've noticed a lot of people don't have the support from their family and my family, just the love and support and you go do it was always there. If anything, we just felt a little strange because it was all, we've always been together and we've always had, like my brothers are my best friends. So being across the country, pretty much the furthest I could get away from them, that's the strange part gets so lonely. Even today, I think yesterday, um, and we'll talk about my transition, but yesterday I felt like another chapter of loneliness. And I had felt so much loneliness when I moved out here, but that part of this journey and success and sacrifice, I think that's what a lot of people I wish would talk about more, what they're sacrificing, because I'm personally sacrificing my family for my dream. It's like kind of bringing tears to me now to think about because it's been years. I only go home for Christmas, really. I've got to see my dad's 50th birthday. I got to see my mom's 50th birthday, but I'm not home for birthdays, for holidays when we get together the most. So my biggest sacrifice is my family at this point. I know you say a lot that your first year was like the hardest year of your life when you moved out there. Is that the reason why? Because of the loneliness bit? It's crazy because I thought the first year was the hardest. And maybe I now I'm thinking I'm, my timeline keeps getting messed up because I keep forgetting when I got here and like when things happen. So just so you know, I know at the time of us recording this podcast, next Monday will be my six year anniversary. Right. Whoa. So I, yeah. So it's very close. All this timing is so wow. close to each other. But I moved here in 2014, kind of reminiscing a little bit these last couple months. 2017 was my hardest year financially. 2016 was my hardest year as far as just being lonely and working very hard. And then 2018 was hard because I took on this fitness goal and this challenge, but it was hard in a good way. I think for the first time that I started to separate myself from work and I wasn't allowing the WNBA or being in Los Angeles or the School of Greatness or any contracts that I had you know, under my belt, it was no longer what I was defining as worthy or successful or why I deserve to be on your podcast or why I deserve for people to want to talk to me or, or know my story. And so 2018 was a very big transition, moving my worthiness into who I am as a person and not what I do and not what my title is. 
How has your vision evolved over the past six years? Because you went to California with the intent of doing this, and here you are exactly six years later. How has your vision evolved? So 23-year-old Tiff, I will talk for her. She had those like, I'm going to get on set. I'm going to be a director. I'm going to figure this out. In six years, I have not directed a single thing. And it's very interesting because I didn't really understand what directing was or how to come about it or how that process would work. And everything that's ebbed and flowed through these last six years, that dream hasn't gone away. But I'm realizing the hard work and the steps that it takes to get there. The success doesn't come from being on set every day. I thought the whole point was you're always shooting. You're always on set. You're always in production. And I read an article, I think two years ago, this guy is a full-time director. And he said he's only been on set 45 days the entire year. My brain, Heather, I was like, what are you talking? Like, how is, how have you made a living only working on set 45 days? And it's because that's the 20%. The 80% is the pitch decks, getting to know people, networking, keeping up with people, checking in. And and so there's so much more behind the scenes in order for you to get on set and do these things. And I think my dream, the big goal hasn't changed, but my understanding of the process, letting go of my plans, because while some of them work out, the timing is never (laughs) what I have in my head. So I I do think that there's still something to be tapped into. I still have that like picture that I photoshopped with Tiff Tyler in a director's, director's chair, like my name on it and everything. But I'm no longer, I don't know, I'm no longer worried that it won't happen, which is strange for me. And I'm also just I'm excited about what's right in front of me more so than what I haven't tapped into yet. Where does that like certainty come from though? I wouldn't call it certainty. I would call it experience now. <laughs> like, really? Yeah. I don't think it's certainty. Like truthfully, I don't know what next week is going to look like because of some, the way things have just changed recently in my life. So certainty is not the word. I would say just experience of failing over and over again and not dying, being broke over and over again and not needing to move back home, doing all the things that I thought were considered a failure and like was going to set me back and still somehow taking two steps forward, even if I feel like I might be taking half a step back sometimes. Mm -hmm. So that's been the experience that brings about a different level of confidence, but definitely not certainty. Like I know exactly what my life is going to look like five years or 10 years from now. I have a goal, but I don't know what it's going to be like. I'm I'm so so grateful for just you giving plain talk because this is the real stuff. This is the real stuff. This isn't like, oh, I've been doing this six months and it's not popping, blah, 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 blah. You're like, dude, this is six years in of like dedicated grind. And y'all, she works, man. Like follow her on Instagram and watch her stories. It's next level of showing up. And then this consistency, I know that's really important to you. One time I heard you say that the common theme that you've seen among all the people that you've met is just this consistency and also to this intention of stopping and looking at where am I at and measuring that against where you want to go. And that awareness piece that comes in of like, I'm going to show up and I'm also going to be super aware of like, where am I? Is this heading where I want to go? How has that played out in your own life with you not only showing up, but you also being true? Is this aligning with my big picture? That is a great question. And it's funny because you're like, this is what you told me. So what's the answer? I'm like, oh yeah, did I tell you that? (laughs) I think the awareness piece is so important for me 
because of kind of what we talked about a little bit, right? Just knowing that I'm only six years in some people, I don't know if you've heard of that 10 year overnight success, right? Like some people keep saying, oh, it's been 10. No, I've never heard of this person. They came out of nowhere, but for 10 years, for a decade, they have been working with really small amount of people seeing them or no one seeing them. And then when it was time, everything popped off. And for me, technically six years out here, but seven years since I graduated college, I'm seven years into my career. I have a lot of credits that I haven't really been giving myself enough credit for a weird uh, word choice there. But I have my friend Amela, who you probably met during Summit. She was the person who did the graphic design for all of the Summit of Greatness for the last four years. She is helping me with my about page right now because she realized that I'm not actually listing out everything I've done for the last seven years. And with everything I've done, I still know that I've got three years still to be in my baby phase. And that self-awareness kind of helps me not overthink of where I should be. And it gives me a moment to go, okay, you're still building, you're still building. Be grateful and be present with where you are right now. And with all these entrepreneurs, I think it's that it's sort of like not rushing themselves, it's being patient with themselves. But I think it's also trying not to force something that isn't their true thing. Like I told you, I thought I was going to be a director. I thought being on set was the ultimate fantasy land dream that if I do that, I'm set. And I got on set two weeks into moving to Los Angeles. Right. Very, very quickly. And it wasn't like I didn't like it. It was more so it wasn't the dreamland that I thought, because once I started talking to people, so many of them had dreams they hadn't hit, but they have been on set for 20 years. Mm -hmm. So it was messing with my mind a little bit because they're living the fairy tale experience in my head, but they're not very happy. I think just this self-awareness of it's not going to go according to plan. There might be things you thought you really enjoyed. You did it and you didn't enjoy it and you pivoted a little bit. It doesn't mean that you're giving up on your dream or you're giving up on your goal. It just, it's like, why try to force a square into a round hole, right? right? Like right. figure right. out what you're good at. And work on that. And if you want to work on your passion in the background, if truthfully your passion doesn't pay you right now, does that mean you stop singing? Does that mean you stop picking up the camera just because right now it's not your paycheck? I think that's that awareness of it can be a right now. It could be a hobby. It can be a side hustle. It can be whatever it is, but it doesn't have to be your everything. But you got to give yourself that patience and time to not force it and feel like you have to give up on your dream because it doesn't pay your rent. Amen. Y'all weren't ready for church, man. My mom's a preacher. Really? I got to bring myself down sometimes because she can preach for hours. And I'm like, okay, to make it a short, sweet, mm. to the no, point. Statement. No, no, we need this. Like I said, this is the real stuff. What have you kind of discovered that is your lane through all of this work? What would you say right now is kind of come out of all of this? just happened last week. I was on set again. And this is me at 29. As of today, as of this recording, I'm 29. The first time I was on set, I was 23. And I felt very insecure, very much like I wanted people to like me. I just felt trying to figure out what I like. And this time, six years later, being on set, sort of having a conversation with my mom where she told me, she prayed for me. And then she told me, your only job is to show up. That's all you have to do is show up. It's not your job to do anything else but to be there. So I really felt like she helped ground me and just tell me, okay, you can be yourself and this is okay. And when I was on set, 
I was who I am when I'm with entrepreneurs. Like I was asking everyone questions. Who are you? I know by the time I was done, Heather, it was only three days. I know who everyone's married to, who they're dating, where they're from. I know like everyone I worked with, I know exactly who they are. And I can remember it. Like I can call them right now and we can have a whole conversation about their lives. And all the people who are talent, because Luckily, this was something where we interviewed a few people for the first two days, which is my realm. And the director dubbed me the talent whisperer. And that was the best thing he could have ever told me. Basically, I told him that my favorite part is working with the talent, but getting them to their like most joyful, most loving self. Because anyone, even me being on camera right now, there's lights that I kind of got flashing on me, right? I've got a camera. I got a mic in front of me. I can be very nervous and in my head or I can be my best self. And mm -hmm. being able to see someone for who they are very quickly mm -hmm. and bring that out of them is my favorite part about working with talent and being with entrepreneurs is just, just listening to them and getting their best self out of them. That is my ultimate, ultimate, ultimate favorite. I didn't realize that at 23, I hadn't done that at 23. That wasn't yeah. my, I, it, the funny thing is though, when I told people about my first job, when I was in Florida, my first production job, I was working at this world of watches. The hosts, after four months, I was able to direct. We were doing like this QVC style kind of show. Three hours on Saturdays and Sundays live, the two hosts always wanted to work with me. I never really put the pieces together till now of even back then I was really good at, okay, they're two very different people. They like each other, but they don't, they can't be treated the same way. He needs a different joke than she needs, right? Like I got to make sure wow. he's prepared in a different way that she's prepared. And just that sort of always being very attuned to people. I started from back then. And now I think I've just been able to hone it in with over 500 interviews, being around so many people, working with entrepreneurs for a long period of time where I get to see if they're in a bad mood, I've got like three different ways that I can get them out of it, right? And I can yeah. play with it and all that stuff. And the funny thing is um, on a School of Greatness, Lewis interviewed Terrence J. And I got to film that. He's interviewed Obama. He's interviewed he's interviewed princes and queens and all. He's interviewed everyone in the world. And Terrence J talked about that he's got these little things that he's always sort of trying to come up with a way to, to just be different when he meets people, right? So he said yeah. when he first met Obama, this is already out on the podcast, so <laughs> I'm not saying anything I'm not supposed to say. He said when he first met Obama, you know, when he went to the White House, they have these these napkins or these towels in the bathroom that are embroidered, like says the White House and everything. So and when he first meets Obama, introduces himself, he's like, hey, I took a couple of those uh, towels from the bathroom. I just want to let you know. <laughs> like that was the first thing he said to Obama. Not hi, nice to meet you. I'm Terrence J. He tells him about the towels in the bathroom and he immediately got Obama to laugh. Right. So he's always sort of thinking of how he can be different, how he can bring the best out of them. And I just think from that interview, I was like, oh, like that is something I really love. So I know it's kind of a long explanation, but that is my favorite part about being on set right now is bringing the best out of talent. And I think that's why entrepreneurs like working with me. I'm not going to ask for a selfie. I'm not going to ask for your autograph. I'm not going to make you feel like you're above me necessarily or below me or anything. I'm just going to treat you like a human being who's right in right. front of me. And I care so much about what you have to say and how you feel that I can kind of put my own feelings and thoughts on the back seat for a little bit, mm -hmm. to make sure that you feel heard and listened to and that you matter right now. It's so weird because it's like, wouldn't everybody be able to do that? But it's no. very hard to care about someone, not care about yourself at this in the same breath. I heard you once say on, on note to that about how you felt like your purpose 
was to bring voice to women and girls around the world through story, through story. And then you even mentioned that it's not just any story, that human story, like real life story is something that just really moves you to your core. What is it about that specifically that you think just moves us? I I can't remember. I think it might've been Oprah or Maya Angelou. Someone said, this is not me. But the biggest gift you can give someone is being is hearing them. I think that what draws me to interviews, it's like the reason why I ask people, what are you passionate about? I don't ask people, what do you do? I just want to see everything, all that joy and love come out of you. And I think just for to be the person who asked you that, to have a platform to talk about what you're passionate about, what brings you joy, you're only going to give me great answers. You're only going to tell me what you wanted to do since you were seven years old. And I think that the more that I can talk to people and, and hopefully eventually make these documentaries with young women and young girls too, to make them feel like their voices matter, their passion matters, like yeah. everything they're saying that comes out of their mouth needs to be heard and needs to be told to other people. Like our lives are examples. Our yeah. lives are showing people how to do better, be better or at least love themselves in a different way. And I've noticed that through all the work that I've done with all the people that inspired me and it kind of related to and kind of didn't relate to with all the interviews that I've done, everything has a lesson in it. And to watch billionaires cry in front of me, I'm like, money isn't it. It took me a while to get it, but money is definitely not it. Humanity and teaching each other and learning from our mistakes and owning who we are and being vulnerable. There's so many pieces I think that can make today very happy. The paycheck and the invoice that I send out won't necessarily bring about that same amount of happiness. So I sort of reframed my idea of success. Like if you and I talk right now and you feel like, because you're interviewing me, it's different. But if you feel like you have the most joy and love and energy after these 40 minutes or 45 minutes of talking, then I can go to bed peaceful. The bank account thing, I'm so excited about because I feel like with everything that's changing in my life, that's about to change, but it doesn't matter as much as it did six years ago. Oh, let's talk about it. What's changing in your life, Tiff Tyler? What's what's new for you? As of today, as of this recording, I am no longer with the School of Greatness, Lewis Howes. That has been five years of my career of the seven. I've never I've only been an employee once. I was only an employee when I was in Florida. So the six years I've been out here, I've never been an employee. I've always been freelance. So I've always had something else with the School of Greatness, but it's always been my comfort zone. It's always just sort of been the I know the money is here. I know everything is happening. If everything were to go wrong somewhere else, this is my safety net. So as of yesterday was my last podcast. I'm moving forward. I'm grateful for the multi-hyphenate I've been with the School of Greatness. I've done every piece of online content that anyone is doing. I can't imagine there's something I haven't done at this point with them over the last five years. And I've been stretched way past my comfort zone. I've grown way more than I thought I could. But now I'm moving into the true producer writer role and just sticking to the overall story. So when I meet someone like you, Heather, and you tell me like, this is my story, this is the message I want to get out, then I can shape how we're going to tell that story online. I can shape how we're going to market it to people and I can get it to the most people possible. That is a lot of courage because for me as a creative person, when you get the opportunity to do some of the stuff that you've been able to do. There's like almost this kind of fear thing. I know for me, and it's just my experience that comes in. It's like, oh no, if you let go of this, are you going to have another opportunity? And are you able to do that? And the creative space is already so risky, I guess. 
And so the courage that it takes for you to kind of stand your ground and say, you know what, like, this is phenomenal. I love it. I'm learning a lot. Great opportunity. But this isn't true to me. Dude, that's some... That takes a lot of courage on your end. I appreciate it. It is, it still feels very courageous because it's today is technically day one. So I don't yeah. feel like it's over or I didn't feel like this big weight was lifted off of my chest like I thought I would. Yeah. I don't feel really happy. I don't feel really sad. I definitely feel somewhere in between. It's like yeah. breaking up with someone after having dated them for five years. Sure. Whether it was, you know, however it was done, it was a mutual breakup, mm -hmm. but it's still going to take some time for me to process. And so I do have other contracts in the works. Thank God. I do have like other projects I have been working on for a couple of months that are going to come out that really are going to feature me for the first time and my opinion and my voice. And so things are moving, but it doesn't feel like this happy celebration. It doesn't feel like this sad, sad moment. It just feels like right now I just need to keep moving forward. And however I feel tomorrow or next week, just sit with it. Don't try to make it something else. Yeah, we've had a, a lot of uh, creatives start listening to this show, and I really love creatives. Um, it's a different breed, but figuring out that next step when there is no necessary map, like you're literally, and I mean, you've lived through this the first time you moved here and you're kind of reliving through it again, where there's not a map for you, Tiff, where it's like, okay, well, this is the next step for you. There's no corporate ladder to climb. You know what I mean? Like you're putting your feelers out there and figuring out that next step. And what's cool is you've had years and years of listening to some amazing people who have done the same thing. And I was just wondering like over the next few weeks and months, what are some of the first steps you're personally going to be taking as a creative to kind of push yourself, take some risks, go to the next level? Number one, I don't want to stuff my feelings. I have a tendency to say everything is okay, push it down, push it back, and then it doesn't go anywhere. It just gets stuffed and it comes out in like three months in some kind of form of crying or anger or whatever. So my goal is to not stuff my feelings. The number one thing that I'm doing is I'm just being aware right now. How do I feel when I wake up? How do I feel before I go to bed? I'm checking in with myself because this is so new. I will say it was so weird when I walked out yesterday, when I left everyone, I said my goodbyes and my love. But when I left, it was this thing of, I closed the door and I felt like a room full of noise, like completely hit silence. It was like, I had felt this huge loneliness that I hadn't felt in a long time, or at least maybe never before, because I'd never been with someone. I've never been anywhere for five years. I haven't even been in college for five years. So like, it's like, this is the longest experience I've ever had. And so it just literally felt like I shut the door and everything in my mind went blank. I just need to make sure that I'm okay every day. I need to not disconnect. Like yeah. my number one habit is to disconnect. So I called a lot of friends yesterday, not giving details. I just told them like, hey, if you don't see me running for the next two days, call me. If you uh, haven't heard from me over the next 48 hours, like if I just kind of go ghost online, call me because I need to be checked on. Not because I think anything bad is going to happen, but more so like I can be very quiet and still and I'll be very stagnant if I feel like I'm overwhelmed with feelings. The second thing is to stick to my new contracts. I signed new contracts literally the time, the day that I walked out. And with these new people, I don't, while they get to have all of my experience of what I've been through in the past, they, they understand I have so much more to give them than I had when I started with Lewis Howes in the School of Greatness. But they also don't get to get any of those bad habits too, or they don't get to be treated like anyone else I've worked with before. And everybody gets to be a unique individual contract and person in front of me. 
So that's something I'm really making sure of like whatever's right in front of me, I get to be present with. I get to treat them like an individual and I don't need anything to necessarily rub off from old contracts. Right. And the third thing is speaking up more, like Mm -hmm. saying yes to a podcast, saying yes to a speaking opportunity, saying yes to teaching people. Christine Baird, who's been my longtime producing partner and I are working on a very cool project that should come out later this year. Just being okay with that. Okay. That more people are going to see my face and that I'm opening myself up for trolls and negativity and all that stuff. Because the more you post, the more that that's just an opportunity to happen. And I haven't had that before. I got a very nice 1500 followers who all love me, who have never said a a negative thing or a nasty thing about me. But as things grow, as I start to expand some more audiences, being okay with that and knowing that those things are going to come. So I guess that's like my top three kind of off the top of the dome of what I would do starting right now because today's day one. This is interesting because literally you're telling the story of your life and all these different chapters and the ups and the downs and it's not like this one journey. It's all of these like micro journeys uh, involved. And as, as a content creator, as a producer, as a storyteller, what have you learned over the past few years about storytelling that maybe you didn't learn in film school? I'd say over the last two years about storytelling is that I don't need to force it or try to come up with this like amazing thing that the whole world is going to relate to. The smaller the audience, the smaller the niche of people that I'm trying to reach, the better the story is going to be. And if I can imagine who's right in front of me, if I can think of just one person is going to be affected by this story and I do a really good job of touching that one person, then I've told a good story. But if I try to hit 7 billion people, then I'm, I'm making it so wide and so broad that I can't touch the one person or get the story through to the people who really need it. So that's my biggest lesson on storytelling is just to stick to the small set of people that I'm trying to reach. And if they love it enough, they'll share it with other people. But I don't need 7 billion people to watch every video that I produce. One of the things I've been asking people lately is who is the unsung hero in their life? A lot of times we think about making a difference in this world. We think of, you know, the Lewis Howes in the world and the, you know, the Oprah's and all of these people. And it's interesting because there's always this person who maybe nobody knows their name and maybe nobody ever will know their name, but they've had a huge impact specifically on you and has shaped the person that you are. And I was wondering, who would you say is your unsung hero? Oh, I have so many of them. But now that you say like, maybe no one will know their name. So Sarah Livingstone, she hates publicity or people seeing her face or photos and stuff. But she um, she has been such a true friend. Even yesterday when it was my last day, she sent me over my favorite kind of cupcakes. And that loneliness feeling that I was telling you about, it was like, but I've got a friend who knows that whether I'm happy or sad, she knows exactly what my favorite kind of cupcake is. And for some reason, yeah. that makes me feel way less alone in this world. Um, So I think she's an unsung hero because she's done so much for me. I go to her house in San Diego as much as I can because she just she's able to hold space for me. Like when I really just need to be quiet and she's also able to kind of bring things out of me that I may not be saying, but she just understands me um, in a different level. And she's also taught me so much um, about how to see details, about how to take care of people, how to cater to people um, when they're not saying certain things. So she, to me, will probably be my my unsung hero. But I try to say her name a lot. She just doesn't like it. (laughs) I'll make sure I get a picture and like edit it in here. Things right up there. Yeah. (laughs) 
<laughs> That's awesome. Tiff, I could talk to you all day long. I have one final question for you. But before then, I want to give everyone listening an opportunity to stalk you on Instagram because I'm telling you guys, this is just the beginning. This is just the beginning for her and you want to follow. For anything else, your awesome running journey. We didn't even talk about that. But where can people connect with you online and stalk you? Tiff Tyler, T-I-F-F-T-Y-L-E-R, film, F-I-L-M, on Instagram. And then tiptyler.com, my name, tiptyler.com. I'm going to be adding so many mm. of the new things that are coming out that are just more of my voice or the clients that I'm working with and the stories that I'm getting to tell. I'm just doing my best to get that site as updated as possible. But for the most immediate updates, Instagram is the place to find me, DM me, send me a voice memo. I love sending voice memos. Send me a video a nice video, anything that you want. Um, so I can get to know you and tell me how you found me. Tell me your favorite part of this show. I would love to talk to you more about it, but IG is the place to be. Beat the sun, man. Beat the sun. Yeah. Very last question. Let's say, wow. Six years ago, I think you said next week, if you were to go back in time, six years ago, she was just getting here. Didn't have the job with Lewis, hadn't met all the people, didn't have the opportunities, the experience, didn't get on that first set that you talked about two weeks in. None of that had happened. You're just taking a risk. You had no idea what the next six years were going to look like for you. If you were to go and sit with that young Tiff and tell her one thing that you know now that she did not know back then, what would it be? I would tell her, I would tell 23-year-old Tiff that you can't avoid the pain. It will be a very, very painful journey, but you can't avoid being alone. And if you just reach out to people, let them know how you feel. The pain will be there, but the loneliness is not necessary. You don't have to be a lone wolf. You can love people and you can let people love you even when you're not perfect. One of my biggest takeaways from this conversation with Tiff is when she talked about even directors who are working are still not directing most of the time. They're still doing a lot of that back-end stuff, the networking, some of the stuff that's not necessarily fun or exciting or that you see over on Instagram. That back-end work is still the bulk of the work. And sometimes that can be so frustrating when you have big ambition. You just want to follow whatever that is in front of you. But we have to be faithful with the task at hand. So whatever that is for you today, I just want to encourage you to push through that. It's a part of the process. We all go through it. And I really believe those who hang on longer win. Again, connect with Tiff over at tifftyler.com. And hey, I want to hear from you. What was your biggest takeaway from this conversation? What are you dealing with right now when following your dreams? Will you let me know? All you have to do is text this number 501-214-4307. Let me know you listened to this episode and your main takeaways from it. Again, that is 501-214-4307. We love you. We're in your corner. See you soon.